Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. So I'm not Mark or Bruce, and if you don't know me, you have questions. I'm Jonathan Holmes. I am the student pastor. Mark is downstairs teaching our high school students right now. What a servant. And, uh, and we're, we have traded spots this morning. And I have the great privilege to uh, come before you and, uh, and hopefully not offer any opinions or advice, but to open up God's word and, uh, and enlighten us to the Lord's will for our life, uh, that we might walk in it and not our will, but his will be done. And so I invite you now to go ahead and open up the scriptures to 1 Thessalonians 5. It's where we'll be for some of the morning. This is a topical message, and so I will jump around quite a bit. I do apologize. But I have done a very informal survey. Very informal, meaning I've done this in my mind, okay? There's no scientific backing. This is Jonathan's survey, copyright. 2017. And so I have looked at people that I, uh, I would like to be like, or in other words, people that, I, that feel together to me, or I leave and I go, wow, what was different about that conversation? What was different about that interaction I just had with them? And, and I was like, it, no, they all have this similar trait. Across all of these relationships, across all of these conversations, I realized that these people all had the trait called thankfulness. They were thankful people. I would look at them and, and they wouldn't get, go quick to grumbling or complaining that they would be thankful no matter what their circumstances were. And I, I'm very attracted to that. I want to be like that. But the reality is it was easy for me to see in them, but it's really hard for me to see in myself. And what I, what I recognize is that they are thankful and, and I am not. And sometimes I put that to my circumstances or my uh, lack of blessings. Uh, but I want to invite you this morning, as we look at thankfulness, that where you might fall on this spectrum, and so this, this, this pastor named Doug Fields, he created the spectrum of thankfulness. And over here, you have thankful or people who are, or, or express gratitude according to their circumstances or blessings. And then way over here, we have people who are very quick to be bitter, or uh, maybe grumble or complain a little bit. And so we see these two ends of the spectrum. And the question that's important to ask this morning is, where are you? And so naturally, we think pretty highly of ourselves, right? Maybe that's just me. I do, right? I'm like, I'm a thankful person, right? Maybe my wife would disagree. I need to listen to her words. But I, I, we, we naturally think highly of ourselves, uh, but the question you need to ask is, uh, when someone asks, how are you doing, that's someone you have a relationship with, not like in the hallway where you just say, fine, right? That's what we all do. But someone you have a relationship with that you're going to enter a conversation, are you quick to land on this side of the spectrum and start grumbling and complaining that you don't have what you deserve or you got something you didn't deserve? Or maybe you're over here and you actually express gratitude and thankfulness amidst hard circumstances and good circumstances. But this morning, we're going we're gonna to take a look at thankfulness and what that means for us. So I, I invited you to 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'll start in verse 16. And so Paul is concluding his letter, and he's taking us through uh, essentially a summary of the Christian virtues. 
And we're going to pick up in the middle, and we're not going to read all of them. We're going to read the ones that he, uh, he places a greater importance on. Um, and he says this in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so here we see thankfulness, and we see it at the, at the end here. And if you do have your Bible or you have your phone out, I invite you to underline or circle or highlight, give thanks in all circumstances. That should stick out to you, one, because I'm speaking on thankfulness, but two, that's really hard. Surely he, all doesn't mean all, right? Surely we can adjust that to mean most, some, good. But all is in fact all. The Greek here, or the, yeah, the Greek here is actually, it's right. It's all, right? Like there's, there's no, not some, not majority. This is all in completeness. Give thanks in all circumstances. And that's, that's really hard. But the second thing that we see here is that it says, for this is the will of God. Ooh, say what? (laughs) We don't see that often in scripture. Very rarely do we see that this is the very will of God for you as a believer. Now, this isn't just saying giving thanks in all circumstances is the will of God. That That is attached to the three commands, rejoice always, Pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for your life and for mine, for every believer who is following Jesus Christ. This is the will of God. I work with teenagers and young adults, and they ask a lot of questions. Some good questions, some dumb questions, but dumb questions are actually enlightening to me, right? Like that's when I'm like, wow, I haven't taught on that in a little bit. I need to teach on that. But the good questions usually end with this. What is God's will for this, right? Or why is it God's will this? Or for seniors, it's where am I going to college? What is God's will for my life, right? And it's like, we should be quick. We should be quick to maybe not focus on the selection of a college, but looking at these things, rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and in everything, giving thanks in all circumstances. We're called to give thanks, and this is the will of God. Now, this is the season of thanksgiving. And so the, each, each of these three could be its own message, right? But this morning, we only have an opportunity to talk about one, and that's giving thanks in all circumstances. And so we're going to talk about thankfulness in the season of thanksgiving. And my hope for the morning, or my prayer, is that you will see no matter where you are, or what you have, you have ample reason to be thankful. Here's the outline. Our outline this morning is thankfulness is the basic Christian attitude, the result of thankfulness, and cultivating thankfulness. And so thankfulness, the basic Christian attitude. Thankfulness is something we don't talk about much when we think about being Christian but it should naturally overflow out of us because we've been given so much. In fact, in Romans 121, it, it states that the unregenerate heart is known for being unthankful. If you're going to talk about the difference between a believer and unbeliever, we should be talking about thankfulness. We should be talking about a lot of things, right? The path of righteousness, the life of Jesus Christ, but we should also be talking about 
thankfulness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian in the 1900s said, we pray for the big things and forget to give thanks for the ordinary, small, but, and yet really not small gifts. How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? Little things just seem ordinary. We get used to them. They're just a part of our daily lives. To be thankful for them, we forget. Even the small things, yet not so small things, we're called to be thankful for. All right, if you would turn to now Luke 17, and I'm reminded of a story that illustrates being unthankful. It's where Jesus interacts with a group of lepers. And they interact from a distance. This incredible story which shows the reality of our hearts. The reality that we forget to be thankful, even in the ordinary. So Luke 17 Verse 11 says this, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so we'll pause there. This is the scene. Jesus is traveling and he stopped from a distance because lepers were required to uh, remain at a distance in, in, in hopes to not infect anyone else. They were in an isolated people group. They were not welcomed into the city. They were not welcomed into uh, even the sanctuary. They were not welcomed in the place of worship. They were not welcomed in the place of food. They had their own village, complete isolation amongst themselves. Staying at a distance, they raised their voices. They say, have mercy on us. Let's look at how Jesus responds. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except the foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well, or has made you complete. You could even say, has saved you. And so here we see an interesting command that Jesus gives in verse 14. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. That should stick out a little bit because we're like, why didn't he just say, boom, saved, right? Or like healed, redeemed, follow me, right? He does that. But then in the context here, that if a leper believed that he was healed of his disease, he would go and present himself to the priests. And if the priests proclaimed him healed, he would be, then be welcomed back into the city, into the sanctuary, into the place of worship, into the place of life. They would no longer be isolated. They'd be welcomed into the fold. And so he's saying, take a step of faith towards presenting yourself to the priest. And as they do... They are healed. Now, this is when it gets really interesting, and if you have your Bible again, I ask you to highlight a word in verse 15. Just a word, and it's one. The second word of verse 15. Then one of them. Look at, look at this. This is astonishing. 
I mean, wouldn't you think if you had a life-threatening disease, a disease that prevented you, prevented you from being in life, in community with others, that if you were healed from that, that you would go and be thankful for the one who healed you. But only one is. Only one turns to Jesus. One turns to Jesus, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. What a beautiful picture of thankfulness. Let's look at, let's read again how Jesus responds, because even he is astonished. He says, verse 17, then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? He was a Samaritan. He said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Faith has saved you. Ten were healed. One was saved. Ten were healed, but only one recognized the source of their salvation. One leper was healed and saved, and he fell at the feet of Jesus. His source of cleansing physically, but now eternally. The source of the blessing, the source of the blessing. Now we look at that and we're astonished. We're repulsed even. I, you know, if I was the leper, and this is me, I'm not saying this is you, I'm saying I'm just opening it up my life a little bit and say if I was a leper, I would for sure be the one at the feet of Jesus. But you know, as I reflected on that, I'm ashamed to say I don't know if I would be because salvation has become ordinary at times. Friends, don't forget, let's turn the critical eye inward. We were sick. We were sick. We have rebelled against God. Mark 2.17 says we are sick. Colossians 1.21, we are alienated, isolated from God. Friends, we are the lepers. We don't have to hypothetically put ourselves in that position. We are. And the question is, are we like the one who falls at the feet of Jesus? And says, thank you. Or has salvation, the thought of being saved eternally for your sins, from your sins, by his grace and mercy, has that become ordinary and small for you? Okay, so now let's look at the results of thankfulness. Thankfulness is the basic identity, Christian attitude. Second, the results of thankfulness. I don't know about you, but it doesn't take much for me to start grumbling or complaining. Just ask my wife. Don't ask my wife. Let me give you examples instead. These are, these are ones I'm comfortable sharing, right? An unexpected time-wasting task, right? So this week, it happened. I was asked to do something, and I am preaching this Sunday. How dare you? You do not understand how busy I am. Oh, my goodness, I do not deserve this. Extra traffic on the way home from work. People, I leave A, I get to B, efficiency, out of my way. I believe I deserve express lane for homes. Wow. I picked the wrong line to jump in at Walmart. You know. Oh, you know. Search deep. Yep. And you're looking at that teller and you're saying, lady, enough with this small talk. Or you get behind the couponer. You might be the couponer. I'm thinking of you. And I'm going... Oh, goodness, right? They're going to owe you money by the end of this. 
The reality is this message is more for me than anyone else in the room. Thankfulness is so hard and being thankful in all circumstances, so easy to jump to this end of the spectrum and to grumble and complain. But to be thankful is something entirely different. But the Lord knows that in these times, I tend to focus on what I don't have. I don't have the time. I don't have this. I don't have this express lane. I didn't pick the right one. I didn't. I don't. I, I, I. But what I do need to do is I need to focus on what I do have. I have a job. I have the privilege of being busy at my job, of teenagers texting me and asking me life-critical questions. I have financial stability to buy groceries. I have all of these things, but my sinful selfishness gets in the way, and I need help in shifting my perspective from inward to external. The Lord knows this, and the act of giving thanks requires us to shift our perspective. You cannot give thanks internally. It's an external action. And as we give thanks, we remember and we are humble. As we give thanks, the action that is happening is memory and humility. As we look at memory, I'm reminded of a passage, 1 Chronicles 16.34. It says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Somebody needs to make that into a song. Don't do that. If, you're, if you didn't get that, it's already a song, okay? Don't go make a song. You will be sued. It's okay. David's song of thanks reminds us that we are called to give thanks. Why? For he is good. You aren't in that. Give thanks for he is good, not our circumstances. See, we don't need a reason to be thankful. God is reason enough. Listen to this quote from Jonathan Edwards. True gratitude or thankfulness to God for his kindness to us arises from a foundation laid before. What's the foundation? Of love to God for what he is in himself. Whereas a natural gratitude has no such antecedent foundation. That's a lot of words. But in other words, true thankfulness is not first a delight in the things of God, even though that's partly It's not a light just in the things of God. Rather, it is being thankful for who God is, and he is good. He is good. Even when our circumstances are bad, he is good. Temporal blessings can incite your heart to thankfulness, but the goodness of God will keep it going for your life. As we remember what God has done for us and in us, our perspective shifts from being internal to external, and we exercise humility. What is humility? Humility and thankfulness is recognizing blessings as gifts, not merits. That blessings are not things that you earn, they're by the grace of God. The enemy of thankfulness is pride. Henry Ward Beecher said this, pride slays thanksgiving, pride kills thanksgiving, but a humble mind is the soil out of which thanks naturally grows. A proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. Lord, but I deserve this. I deserve this. What do we deserve? Romans 6.23a says this, for the wages of sin is death. I'm going to talk about earning 
What is your life? What is your soul earned? It has earned death. The wages of sin. You have earned death. We are eternally separated. Romans 3.23 says that we are all in the same boat. We've all earned this. But the second part is what we're given. The rest of Romans 6.23 says this, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's disparity to what you deserve and what you are given, and that is reason enough to be thankful, for he is good. When you recognize blessings, not as merits, but as grace, we are pushed, moved, motivated to thankfulness. True thankfulness is not found in a hardened heart or a heart doused in pride. Thankfulness forces our our minds and our hearts to shift from internal to external and realize that we do not deserve what we have been given. So finally, as we wrap up, and this I would really like to talk about this for the rest of our time together, cultivating thankfulness. So we know we need to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, thankful in all circumstances. What in the world is Paul thinking? He doesn't know my circumstances. How do we cultivate this thankfulness inside of ourselves? And I've broken it down into two categories that you might find yourself in, and maybe two phases. And it's cultivating thankfulness for those in prosperity and cultivating thankfulness for those in pain. Cultivating thankfulness for those in prosperity and cultivating thankfulness for those in pain. So let's first talk about how do we cultivate some real practical application during times of prosperity. Deuteronomy 8, this will be the last passage we read together. I'll reference verses, but the passage is Deuteronomy 8. And in this season, Israel is ending their wandering in the desert and they are welcomed into the promised land. Talk about season of prosperity. Talk about a difference in perspective. And Moses gives a warning. And so for those of us in prosperity, we get distracted by the blessings and we forget the one who is blessing. Deuteronomy 8 verse 10 says this, And you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And he continues on, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, essentially prosperity, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. The final two verses, beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, that he swore to you, to your fathers, as as it is this day. 
So verse 14, there's an interesting phrase. It says, your heart to be lifted up. We could read that as a positive thing, but if you keep reading, that's a bad thing, okay? It's not that your heart is lifted up in praise. Your heart is lifted up in pride, and you forget the Lord your God. In prosperity, we are most prone to look at ourselves and say, look what I have. And we forget to say, look at what he's given. We look at the blessings, and we forget the one who has blessed, it, blessed us. And so Moses warns them, and he says in verse 10, you need to bless the Lord your God. Moses is telling Israel that as they find comfort and contentment in this new season of prosperity, they must not forget to bless and praise God. In prosperity, we get consumed with enjoying the blessings of God that we forget to be thankful for the one who is blessing. So the practical application, establish rhythms of thankfulness. So I don't know what this looks for your life, but in seasons of prosperity, that we forget to pause and be thankful because we're comfortable, we are content, and we believe that we are able, as it ends in 1718, that it is my power, it is my hand, it is my strength. So cultivate thankfulness by establishing rhythms of thankfulness. Three in my life for key times that I can't forget about at the dinner table. So as a kid, I had no idea why we prayed for the food before we ate. I literally thought it was poisonous. And I was like, okay, we need to bless this food so it doesn't give me a stomach ache, right? I could gotta pause because this is gonna mess me up inside. So Lord, bless this food. But that's not the case. But yet we do that. We do it so often that we forget why we're doing it. And as I do this with my family, I sit down with Quinn and Oliver, and she prays, and she prays lightning fast because she has it memorized, right, Quinn? She's three-year-old speed, and I'm like, what just happened, right? Let's pause for a second and reflect, right? But I'm, as I'm praying, I desperately want to be the provider for my family. But as I pause and reflect, I am reminded that the Lord our God is the provider for the Holmes family. I want that seat. I think I can do it, but that is my sinful selfishness. And I pause, and in a rhythm of thankfulness, I thank the one who sends the blessing. Before you go to bed, my pillow is an activation point for everything I didn't do that day and everything I need to do tomorrow. Abraham and I used to do this all the time in seminary because I started struggling with... Uh, anxiety over tests and exams. And I, I mean, I, it, was, it was awful. It was a hard, hard season. But, but she said, why don't we end our time together at night by just saying what we're thankful for? I was like, that is so dumb. That is so, okay, let's try it, right? And I was like, and it was the greatest thing ever, right? So we flipped it on its head, right? We flipped it on its head. Instead of going through everything we need to do the next day and getting stressed out, we recognize that the Lord will sustain us and we are thankful for the blesser, not our blessings. And then in moments of frustration, uh, I could pick probably 20 from the past week, but I won't. In moments of frustration, we go down this spiral and we get so consumed with self, what I deserve, what I need, what I, they're in my way, they're in my, pause and reflect on the many reasons you need to be thankful. 
Get it in your head that as you go down this spiral, you feel that and you get so inward focused, pause and look external and say, look at all the Lord has given me. And if it's a season of pain, think of all that he has given you in spiritual benefits. So let's move to that for those in pain. Some of our current pain may never go away. It may never change. And I'm not saying that I understand the pain that you are going through. I would never say that. You might be experiencing pain like I have never experienced in my short life. You might be. And listen to this. The Lord does not call you, command you, or ask you to be thankful for that pain. He does not tell you, be thankful for death. Be thankful for poverty. Be thankful for pain. But doesn't this change our central text? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 What does it say? Give thanks in all circumstance. Well, that would include pain. Can we change it to say some? Can we change it to say uh, most? Please? Can we say good circumstance? No. The Lord knows better than we do. Give thanks in all circumstances, but not be thankful for our pain and our suffering. He's not calling us to be thankful for that object. He's calling us to be thankful for the result. In times of suffering, don't be thankful for the suffering that you are being persecuted or that you are in pain. Be thankful for the result of you being dependent on God, being pushed to grow in who you understand him to be, your comforter and your healer. John MacArthur said it like this. I can be thankful for the pain that I go through in a surgery if I know that there's healing coming because of it. As long as you look at the end result, you can be thankful. When we see the end result of what God is doing, blending everything in our lives for ultimate good and glory, then we can in everything give thanks. In other words, keep your eye on the prize. And in this case, it is yours in Christ Jesus. That the result is the very real presence of God. The practical application, take an inventory of thankfulness. I'm being serious. Take an inventory like you would products on a shelf. Write it down in a journal. This is what my table looks like. Three columns, God, others, and blessings. Examples under each. Because in seasons and times of pain, you struggle to see the blessings in your life. You naturally turn inward and think about what you deserve and what you don't have. Pause for a moment. And now my columns on the blessing side may be kind of shallow at times because I'm kind of shallow at times, to be honest. Or that others that I feel uh, abused by others are not appreciated by others. So maybe I just can't come up with many things there. But you know the column that never disappoints? It is God. He has given everything It is the free gift of grace to us that we have been transferred out of the domain of darkness. That column goes on and on and on. We are called to be thankful not for our circumstances, but for who God is and who is he. He is good and worthy to be praised. We have been given everything. You have reason to be thankful for everything. So let me conclude in true thankfulness. In the season of thanksgiving, we're reminded. May you not be reminded to be thankful this week. May you be reminded to be thankful for your entire life because the Lord has given his life for us. 
And because of his death on the cross, we are transferred out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light. We're not only called a son and daughter of the Most High, King of Kings, we are granted the inheritance that comes with that great privilege. Friends, to say you are not thankful is to say that you don't believe in the blessings of what you have been given in the kingdom of God. True faithfulness rests on being thankful for who God is. Let me pray. God, grant us thankful hearts. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be thanked. And it is a sin not to do so. Forgive us for that sin and put us on the path of righteousness where we are in everything thankful. May our thankfulness be infectious to those around us, stirring them to pursue what we have. And what we have is the gift of God, salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pause and we are thankful for who you are and what you have done for us. And we pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.